1: Welcome in to the Tuesday edition of the WRSU Crew, first Tuesday crew of the new summer schedule. This summer, WRSU Sports Department will be doing crew on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, departure from our usual five-day-a-week schedule that we have in the spring and fall semesters, but that's okay. First time we're really doing a normal summer schedule for WRSU Sports in a while. Last summer, of course, with COVID, we weren't on the air at all a couple summers ago. In 2019, the WRC studios were getting renovated, so there was no summer crew then either. So this summer, really the first time WRC sports is on, you know, I want to call it a normal schedule, but it hasn't been like this in a while. So we're, you know, kind of setting a new standard here. I'm Doug Willick. We got Dylan Allen in the studio producing for us, and he'll be on the mic as well. And anyway, we also got Christian Vasquez calling from home. How you guys doing today? I mean, I'm doing myself.
0: great, Doug. I'm doing great. It's a nice day it's out too. Day. Have yeah, any of you 80. been able to get outside today?
2: Yeah, I was looking at my pool a little bit. Starting to get it open. Still freezing cold though, but got to get it open eventually.
0: Yeah, I got yeah,
1: you. Yeah, you know, I'm over in I'm over in East Brunswick, so about 20 minutes. My house is about 20 minutes from the College Avenue Student Center. So I got like the same weather here. Real nice. There's a basketball court. Uh, like a minute from my house, I was there earlier today playing with a couple friends because, you know, I had some good oh, yeah? time today. Yeah, it was Don't nice. Done putting up threes? I in, uh, yes, I haven't balled in a while, so it just felt really mm. good to get back on the court. It was just, It's just fun. It's fun to play sports, and I haven't really been playing a lot over the last year. So it just felt to get my blood going. It's good. I'm excited. You know, summer should be good. You know, once, you know, more and more people get vaccinated, I think, you know, this, You know, maybe the fall could be just just be completely normal. You know, I've been going to like a couple of restaurants lately, just like kind of getting life back to the way it was before everything started in March 2020, you know, like 15, 16 months ago. Last 15, 16 months have been whack, but it just feels, you know, just great. It's getting back to normal.
2: For sure. It's looking a little better as we get into summer. Definitely. So,
1: six minutes in, I want to start our first topic of the day on the NBA play in. So for anyone listening who's not aware, in normal, the non-COVID years, the NBA, the way the NBA used to do playoffs, and they're doing a new format this year, the NBA used to be, you know, for the past few years, excluding last season, was one to eight seeds in the Eastern Conference would make the playoffs, and one to eight in the Western Conference would make the playoffs. If you're not familiar with the NBA, there's 30 teams, 15 teams in the East, 15 teams in the West. After the regular season, you know the seating would be one through fifteen in the East, one through fifteen in the West. Top eight teams from both te- from both conferences would make the playoffs. One seed plays 18 in the first round, two seed plays 17, etc., etc. This season, the NBA is tr- starting with a new format, and they tinkered with this a little bit last season in the bubble with a somewhat of a play-in tournament. Then, but this play-in tournament is different. From the play-in tournament uh, they did last season. So let me explain this play-in tournament for anyone listening who's not aware. The regular season has finished. They played seventy-two games. It's normally eighty-two, but it was seventy-two-two this year due to COVID. And so right now we have our one through fifteen seed in the West and one through fifteen seed in the East. But instead of just having the top eight seeds in each conference make the playoffs, where the one through six instead of one through eight automatically secured a playoff spot. And now the seven through 10 seeds are having a play in tournament in both conferences. So the way this play in tournament is going to work is the seven seed is going to play the eight seed in a single game playoff. Just one game, not a series, just a single game. And the nine seed is going to play the 10 seed. So the seven seed is going to play the eight, and the nine seed is going to play the 10. The loser of the nine 10 game is eliminated from playoff contention. They're just out of it. So nine plays 10, whoever loses that game is out. Seven plays eight. Whoever wins that game is guaranteed the seven seed, And the loser of the 7-8 game is going to play the winner of the 9 10 game. It's a bit confusing, I know, but that's how they're doing it. So the loser of 7-8 is going to play the winner of nine ten, And that game is going to determine the 8 seed. And that's how it's going to work in both conferences. So Christian Dillon, you know, we have tonight two NBA. They're not officially playoff games of their play-in game. So tonight we have Hornets Pacers because they're playing at 6 p.m. and the Wizards Celtics at 9 p.m. Both those games are going to be on national TV on TNT. The Hornets Pacers game is a 9-10 game and the Wizards Celtics game is a 7-8 game. So Christian Dillon, first, I want to ask you two questions and feel free to answer either one. My first question is, what do you guys think of this new play-in tournament? Do you like it? Do you think the league should use it in the future? And then my second question is, what do you guys think of the games tonight? So feel free to answer either of those. Just go ahead with this new format. I just want to get your guys' thoughts.
0: I mean, so, Doug, to kind of answer your question there, I mean, I I like the thought of it. I think it's a pretty interesting concept to have these lower teams in. But in my opinion— I feel that eight teams is already enough uh, for each each side. That be that being the East and the West. I feel like eight teams per side is enough already uh, to get into the playoffs. And now you're just kind of adding in a tenth, ten teams, giving you know two a chance to get in that you know normally wouldn't get in. And I feel like this was you know kind of just something special for for the bubble last year because you had a bunch of teams coming in last year to you know finish their their regular season uh, and you know, in that sense, having everybody there and kind of quarantining and playing those games in like the same couple arenas, that made sense to have a little bit of a play-in. So those teams that made the trip there that, you know, maybe wouldn't have made the playoffs if it was the traditional seeding, I thought that was a pretty cool concept. But for this year, in terms of, you know, kind of everything being back to normal, teams playing at their home arenas and traveling and, you know, limited fans and everything just kind of like kind of getting closer to normal, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of 50-50 on it because in one aspect, it's kind of like a March Madness feel for me, like the winner advances, you know, the loser has another chance. But, you know, it's, I, I don't know, I kind of just feel like they should have just stuck to the one, one-verse-eight uh, and gone back to the traditional way. I mean, it, it's only one game for the most part. If you're in the 8-9 game and you lose and you have to play one more, or the 7-8 game, excuse me, then that's, that's that's a different story. But for the most part, it's just one extra game Um so I guess from like a player standpoint, if they're you know they don't want to play an extra game, I mean, they only played 72 this year. They traditionally play 82 in a season, so it's not really that much uh, it's not really that big of a deal in my opinion uh, in terms of that, but just overall, I feel like they should have went back to kind of how it used to be. Um, you know, you kind of saw the NFL do switch it up last year and 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 change it this year a little bit. They added a seventh team making the playoffs on each side. And, you know, that I can agree with because there's 32 teams in the NBA, there's 30, and, and seven, seven teams making it per side. It's, you know, it's still a little bit less than half of the league, but, you know, I don't want too many teams making it in because then it's, you know, almost easier to get into the playoffs. I don't know what you guys are thinking uh, about that, but I, I just think they should have went back to normal.
2: Yeah, I agree with Dylan a little bit. It's like a 50-50. You kind of feel bad for those teams that got that 7-8 seed originally and you were like in obviously previous years they would be like oh i'm in but now they have to play another game and they could possibly get knocked out of the playoffs so it kind of sucks for them but uh i'm impartial to it i guess but you know we're gonna have some really competitive games they're gonna put everything out because you know this is for the playoffs that are out
1: yeah guys i think you both make valid points i personally So I'm usually, like, resistant to change. Like, a change will be announced to some number, for example, in the NFL, extra points were 17 yards, you know, forever. And then they made that change that, uh, I think it was 2017, or I don't remember the exact year, it was a couple years ago, that they said, okay, you know what, extra points, we're going to make them 33 yards instead of 17. And I was like, no, 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 I don't like this. This is a bad change. I think this is going to mess up all the records for kickers and extra points and percentages and game scores, it's gonna just mess stuff up. But now that it's been implemented, I, I'm not gonna lie, I like it. I think the it used to be like ninety nine percent of extra points or whatever were made and now it's only like maybe like eighty or eighty five percent. Now that you have that extra added element, I like how it impacts strategy. And so in the NBA, I wanna see how this works. Like I'm not gonna say, oh, okay I love this playing tournament and now maybe it's gonna go horribly. But I feel like it's an interesting change. And something I really I really want to bring up is the Western Conference play games because We'll talk about the Eastern Conference games in a bit, because those are happening tonight. In fact, they're happening in 20 minutes. Warner's versus starting at 6.30, which is during our show. But tomorrow's games are real interesting, because that Spurs-Grizzlies is a 9-10 game. Not as interesting. Lakers-Warriors, 7-8 game. LeBron James versus Steph Curry, the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers versus the Golden State Warriors, who have won three NBA titles since 2015, in a play-in game. I mean, that, that's just incredible. I like I'm gonna watch that game. It's at 10 p.m., it's a bit late, but I'm definitely gonna be watching. And it's just interesting to see that happen. I mean, the like I was thinking, oh, this might not happen. Warriors, Lakers, you know, I saw I was like speculated, oh, the Lakers have been losing some games, they might, you know, slip into the plan, But it ended up happening, and now they're playing the Warriors. I mean, that's an exciting matchup. I'm gonna be watching that. I know not all of these matchups are like super interesting. Hornets Pacers is eh I mean I know people like like LaMelo he's a flashy player. I know that they've got a couple of studs in that team, Gordon Hayward's had a nice year, but Pacers is just not a super exciting game from a national media perspective. Obviously if you're a fan of one of those teams then of course that's something you're obviously going to be watching closely, but from the national perspective not super interesting. Out of these 4 games, I think far and away the Lakers Warriors is the most exciting for the play in. And that's why if that game is close, like, if that's going down to, like, the fourth quarter, it's a close game. They're trading buckets. Like, if that's if that's going down like it's going down, that could be really fun. And that's why I'm a fan of this play I think if you don't want to make the play-in, because I know some players have complaints that they don't like it, I mean, then just win your regular season games, right? Like, you can avoid this if you play good. Some people are opposed to load management. Maybe this will encourage teams to load manage a little less if you're close to that six seed. If you're close to that 17th, try to avoid this. It just spiced things up a little bit, and it's only two games, right? Or three games, I should say, in each conference. It's going to be six games total of the play-in because you're going to have the 7-8, the 9-10, and then the winner versus the loser. So three games in each conference. It's six games. This is going to take four days. I mean, it's just a little nice spice, you know, before the playoffs, and that's why I'm going to say I'm a fan. And I know you guys, you know, you said what you have to say. Let's talk specifically – about the games happening tonight. We probably won't have that much to say, but let's just touch on them real quick. So first off, Portis-Pacers. versus Pacers. This game is going to tip off at about 20 minutes.
0: Well, yeah, Doug, let me just touch on something you pointed on uh, previously before I talk about the Hornets and Pacers game. You you mentioned, you know, teams that might be complaining about the the play-in tournament and and you said, like, you know, they should win more games in the regular season, and I get that, but, you know, at the same time, at the same time, you're allowing 9 and 10 seeds who didn't win as much get a chance in and, and potentially might take that spot, you know, if they just play well for one or two games, you know, they can eliminate a team that one more games in the regular season and earn their seed and you know when you kind of look at it that way it's you know your point about them winning you know having to win more it kind of kind of just diminishes in a sense because the other the, the other team like the 9 or 10 seeds didn't win as much and they have a, the potential to get to the same spot where you know the Lake, let's say the Lakers or the Warriors were in the 7 or 8 slot uh just for winning two games to get in i think i think you know just the way the season finishes i i You know, it's people compare this to like a wild card, uh, almost for like football and for and for baseball, but it but it really isn't because wild cards, you know, those are two specific slots that are carved out of like part of the six teams that are normally in, and now it's seven. But this is this is totally different. There's no, there has never been a wild card uh, type playoff in basketball, and I don't know if this is their attempt at kind of implementing that. Um, but I I think that for the NBA the best way to do it is just to have you know wherever teams land that's wherever they are seated and that's whoever they play in the playoffs i I, I just don't see you know the big deal as to why somebody would want to go see San Antonio you know oh great they you know they're the 10 seed and they go beat Memphis and then oh they go beat LeBron and Los Angeles but then you know they go play the jazz and, and get swept 4-0 you know I I don't really see the appeal in that it's like yeah they made they won two good games to get in but then they get run over by the Utah Jazz, and it's just kind of, at that point, it's like kind of an unfair match. And, when you know, when you go into a series against a team like the Jazz or even like the Lakers, you know, you can win one or two games, but you're definitely going to get outmatched, you know, over the course of a seven-game series. The better team is most, most likely going to prevail. It's not like football where, you know, a team can have a day or a bad day and, and can lose at any time. It's, this is, you know, they give you multiple chances. So it's kind of like in that point... For me, seeing a team like possibly the Spurs, you know, getting in as the ten seed and having to play the Jazz, and they get the eight seed, right? I mean, sounds cool, but then when they go over to play Utah and they and they only win one or one game or so, you know, then how fun really does it get after that happens? Um, so that that's kind of what I wanted to touch on. And then talking about the Hornets and Pacers, I mean, that's gonna be. You know, a close game. Both teams struggled early on this year. I think the Pacers also have a couple of injuries. Karis Levert and I believe Miles Turner is, are not playing in tonight's game. So that's definitely going to be some big losses for them. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to predict because both of these teams are 9 10 seeds, not that great. Uh, it, I, I feel like this could go any, any direction because both teams, you know, I feel like are kind of on the same playing field. And with those two injuries I pointed out, I think the Pacers are at a bit of a disadvantage, but they are at home. Um... You know, I I think the Pacers I I think the Pacers will win. They still have a lot of talent on that team even with those two out. Um so I'm going to go with the Pacers there. I don't know what you guys are thinking, but I'm going to go with the Pacers over to the Charlotte Hornets tonight.
2: Same here. I was thinking Pacers. The Hornets even with the injuries on the Pacers, the Hornets, you know, are a very on and off team. You know, that's why they're at that uh lowest seed possible to get in right now. So I think the Pacers still win. I think it's going to be relatively close due to the fact there are injuries in the game, but I still think Pacers take it.
1: Yeah, definitely agree with the points you guys made, Dylan. You know, he made a fair point about the 9-10 seed. Maybe they shouldn't get a chance, and what does it matter if they're going to get swept by the one seed? So that's why I just want to see how things work this first year. I kind of like the play-in. I want to see how these games go and then how the teams that make it out of the play and do in the playoffs versus the one and 2 seeds that they play so I just want to see how everything goes in year one I know the league is planning on keeping this I think at least in some form for future years knows how it plays out because you did raise some fair concerns in terms of Hornets Pacers of course you know Pacers coming in the 34 38 Charlotte 33 39 neither team really having a dominant season of course you know the ESPN BPI which I do like to frequently cite on the crew first Tuesday crew of this summer so haven't had the chance to cite this yet, but in the fall and in the spring, you know, I would say BPA, BPI a lot. For anyone listening unaware, ESPN's BPI is basically, they got a lot of formulas, algorithms, whatnot. They spit, you know, info in for two teams, and coming out of there is a percentage chance that each team, you know, what each team is going to win the game. So looking at ESPN's BPI, this is literally a coin flip. 50.1% chance for the Charlotte Hornets, 49.9% chance. For the Indiana Pacers, basically exactly 50-50. If you're more of a betting man or betting woman, this is Indiana minus 1.5. For the line, that game is starting in 13 minutes. Honestly, I might be a little biased here, but I feel like that's the least interesting of the four playing games. You could maybe argue Spurs-Grizzly is least interesting. not saying these teams are bad, but they're probably, you know, not going to do damage in the playoffs if they do end up advancing. Next, let's go to the next game tonight. This one's starting at 9 p.m. Wizards, Celtics, Wizards coming in at 34 and 38. They're the 8th seed. Celtics coming in at exactly 5,000, 36 and 36. Boston is a minus 2 on the line if you're a betting man or woman. Boston has a 65.6% chance per ESPN. 34.4% chance. Kristen Dylan, what do you guys think of this Washington versus Boston matchup?
0: see this in this matchup's interesting for me, Doug. I mean, you would think Boston, you know, they they had an off year this year, definitely kind of underperformed to what everyone expected. thirty six and thirty sixth finished a flat five hundred. Uh, they are twenty one and fifteen at home. The Wizards are fifteen and twenty one on the road. um but, it's going to be difficult for the Celtics team. They don't. They don't have Jalen Brown. He he was ruled out for the year, uh, a couple of days ago, uh, and they, they won't have him or their center Robert Williams. Um, so those are some big losses for them there. And I think the way that this this uh, Wizards team has been playing as of late, kind of just surprises me in the fact that they've been able to kind of just win some good some tough games down the stretch. I mean they beat the Pacers. Um, not too long ago on the road and then they beat the hornets to finish off the season who are in that 9-10 game um and you know they lost to the bucks on the road by one point uh and they beat the lakers i know they didn't have lebron or anything but i think this wizards team um is pretty underrated as of late their only downside is they're not very good at defense they give up a lot of points um like the last time they gave up 100 or less points they played the cavaliers on the road uh, and it was on April thirtieth. So it's been a little while for them since they've given up less than a hundred points. Um, but they are a pretty good offensive team, uh, and I think Russell Westbrook with the triple doubles every night. He's been averaging it the whole season. He just got the uh, the most triple doubles uh, in NBA history. Just passed Oscar Robertson the other day, um, and I think it's just uh, Boston just really hasn't looked that great without Jalen Brown. They've lost. They've lost five of their last six games to close out the season, and these were all without Jalen Brown. They they lost to the Bulls, lost to the Heat back-to-back games, lost to the Cavaliers. They beat the Timberwolves on the road, but the Timberwolves are one of the bottom feeders in the league, and then they lost to the Knicks to close out the season. Um, so I think that they're going to struggle in tonight's game against Washington just because of the sole fact that they don't have Jalen Brown. I personally i am going to take Washington here to win this one. I think with Bradley Beal and with Russell Westbrook, Uh, and and guys like Ryu Hachimura for them. I think they just have enough guys to get it done offensively, and I think Boston's going to have some trouble with the absence of guys like Jalen Brown and Robert Williams.
2: Same here. I was looking at this game closely because this is one of the closer games, obviously between 7 and 8. And just the way Boston has been all year, pretty lackluster in the way that um, Washington has been playing down the stretch. It's just looking like the momentum's in Washington's favor, and they should be able to take the dub tonight. I don't know. Not
1: even
0: I sorry, what were you saying there, Doug? You're breaking up a little bit. After
2: Oh, man Doug sound like a robot today
0: yeah so you know I I to just kind <laughs> of kind of just talk about it a little bit more I, I I don't know Christian just boston's kind of just underperformed this year yeah and, and it that's was for kinda, sure it, yeah it was kind of surprising too just I don't know it's just you thought they would be much better and you know they, they only had Jalen Brown out for maybe five or six games to close out the year but the whole time and him and Tatum were pretty much playing um and they, they had some other injuries along the road but finishing 500 and finishing in the 7th spot in the east uh is definitely not what a lot of people were one, were you know kind of predicting this team would do uh the only thing that concerns me with washington is their defense Christian they just I like I pointed out they haven't they yeah, haven't sure. they haven't kept teams under 100 points since april 30th and that was against the cavaliers who are one of the you know one of the were um you know one of the not not the greatest team in the league so you know that got that kind of worries me. And Boston definitely has the guys to score. I mean, they have Jason Tatum, who can you know he can drop thirty, you know, any given night. So he's definitely something to watch out for there. I, I'm banking on guys like Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal to show up tonight and to really just play their game the way that they've been playing to kind of close out the season. Um, and I think it's going to be Wizards versus... Uh, if they win this game tonight, Christian. They would play the two seed, correct?
2: Yeah, I believe yeah, because they're the seven, so yeah. they would go right to that two seed. Yeah, spot. so
0: yeah, so I think that the Wizards will probably play the Nets after tonight, and I think the Celtics are going to end up playing the Pacers to get in for the eight spot to play the Seventy Sixers. Um, and I think the Celtics will ultimately win that game against the Pacers, uh, and and play the Seventy Sixers. How do you think it'll pan out, Christian? And, and yeah, Doug? I think
2: uh, yeah for this game, I think that the Celtics don't take this one, but I think they do win over the Pacers, and at that point. We'll see how they play against the 76ers. That team has been playing very well defensively. They have Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons is having a great year as well. But the Celtics just, you know, lackluster year with all the talent that they have on their team. They shouldn't have been. They should have been way over, well over five hundred on the season, which they're exactly at that. And with the with the talent they have in Tatum, well, they had Brown, Walker, Marcus Smart, Fournier came in, their season Thais came in through a trade. They have Tristan Thompson on there, Jeff Teague, Jabari Parker, other key players for them. Just their talent should have brought them way over that peak, and they shouldn't even have to play in this game if they would have, you know, played well during the season. They had a lot of losing streaks. Just there's a lot of different things that the Celtics needed to do before this point.
0: Yeah, and you know. I, I I think the Knicks too had something to do with that a little bit. Just the surprising you know outcome that they their season yeah, had this sure. year. I think the Celtics would have definitely finished higher, you know, if that if that if the Knicks really didn't come on the scene like that and kind of surprise everybody. Um, but if you want Christian, we can talk about the Western side now as well. The first game tomorrow night, uh, the 19th, will be the San Antonio Spurs at the Memphis Grizzlies at 7:30 Eastern on ESPN. Um, what are your thoughts about that game, Christian? Who do you think is gonna win? Uh, and you know who who who's to look out for in that game?
2: I was thinking the Grizzlies, as you know, they've only the Spurs have lost their last four, so you know they're on a pretty big slump as of late. And the and Memphis is only on a one loss streak. So I you know I've been reading a lot of articles too. I've just been seeing you know Grizzlies basically all the way, and they've been playing pretty decent this year. To they're at the nine seed, so. They're just at that little. They are over five hundred, so thirty eight and thirty four. I still think the Grizzlies take this. The Spurs have been lackluster, especially now coming down the stretch. I think momentum is really big in all of these games. So Grizzlies for me.
1: Good now.
0: Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear, Doug.
1: All right, my apologies. There, you know, I've been having some internet issues with my router. So you know, if I cut out like that again, just let me know right away. But my mistake, nonetheless, with this. With this Grizzlies, uh, with this Grizzlies Spurs game, I definitely think the Grizzlies have the edge. You know, they got a 62% chance to win per ESPN's BPI. They're the betting favorite. I don't have the line pulled up. I don't think it's up just yet. It's had a great year, averaging 19 a game. You know, they have Jonas Valanciunas on that team. They just got a good squad, and I. While the Spurs have had a good season as well, and considering you know this is just a one game match, if anything could happen. But if I had to pick someone to win, I'd be going Memphis, the home team. I think they got this down.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, they played twice this year. Memphis winning both. The first time they met in uh, in January, the Grizzlies won one hundred and twenty nine, to one twelve, and then in February they beat them one thirty three to one oh two. Both of those games were in San Antonio. Um and you know the second time they played them, where they beat them one thirty three to one hundred two, you know the Grizzlies they had they had a they had so many guys with double digits they had in points and they, I just feel like they have a very good bench. They had like eight guys with double digit points in that game. I mean, when you have eight eight nine guys that can give you ten plus points, you know, against the Spurs, you know, you're gonna win a lot of basketball games. And so I think with the depth of Memphis, uh, I think their depth will definitely come in clutch. Tomorrow night in that game, uh, I think someone to look out for is Valanchunas. I think he's just a big presence down there in the paint, and obviously John Morant. I mean, he just runs the floor um, for the Grizzlies. But I mean, it's going to be a close game. I mean, I, the West I feel like is more competitive, so I think that you know the nine ten seeds are, are better than your average nine ten seed in in the East. Um, but another person to look out for too, DeRozan. I mean, he's been consistent forever now, 22 points per game he's shooting roughly 50% from the floor, Um, so there's definitely somebody to watch out there in terms of the Spurs Um, but Doug, since we have you back now I wanted to hear your prediction for the Wizards uh, Celtics game, Uh, Christian and I were just talking about that, we both had the Wizards winning that, and so what would you go with there?
1: Yeah Dylan you know, this is definitely a great matchup to talk about, my connection's a little bad here so I didn't fully hear what you said but I think that's what you're asking me about. Boston minus two on this matchup. I think, uh, yeah, Christian was saying, you know, they haven't had the best year, haven't fully lived up to expectations. I still would pick Boston to win this one. I'm not a huge Russell Westbrook fan. I've talked about this on the show before. I don't think – or I've talked about this on the crew before, not Tuesday crew. I think Westbrook is a good player, but I don't know if he is necessarily an MVP-level player, as people talk about. I'm not trying to question his – motivations for the game or how hard he plays. I know he plays as hard as anyone or arguably harder than anyone, but I don't know how they're going to do in this playoff series. You know, Westbrook's not a real efficient scorer. Bradley Beal, sure, he's great, but I don't know if they're going to lead this team to a lot of playoff success. They didn't have a winning record. They might be better as a second or third option on other teams. You know, that I know that's kind of critical of them, but I just don't think the Wizards are great. I think while Boston hasn't had a great year, I think they come out on top of this playoff matchup. Or play in matchup, I should say. I mean,
0: you definitely have a point, Doug. Uh in terms of Russell Westbrook, I mean, you look, he's shooting forty four percent from the floor and about thirty one and a half percent from downtown. So from that from that perspective, he's not the greatest uh, you know, three point shooter in the league, especially for a point guard. Uh, but he he's averaging eleven and a half rebounds and eleven and a half assists on the year and twenty two points. Um, and I think I think that's what Bradley Beal's role is on this team. He's kind of the guy that'll get the ball from Russell, Russell Westbrook who who will bring it up the floor, kind of set the tone for the offense and kind of control the control the pace. And so I think from that aspect, him being able to dish it to, to guys like um, Bradley Beal and who shoots it at a much higher rate than, than Russell Westbrook, I, I just think that with that kind of combination with Jalen Brown out, I think it's going to be too much for Boston to handle, but if Boston can somehow, you know, incorporate a lot of offense tonight, I could also see them winning. I pointed out Washington just is not good defensively; they they have been struggling all year with that, and that's just definitely not their strong suit. They're one of the worst in the league. Um, Bradley Beal is thirty one points per game, shooting forty nine percent from the floor and thirty five percent from three. So, you know, even the three point percentage isn't that great thirty five percent, but he shoots a lot of them. So I'm sure. The percentage goes down because of the of the amount of attempts, but he's definitely the guy you want with the ball in your hands, uh, you know, from downtown. And so, you know, I, I agree with your points, Doug. You have some valid points. I just think that you know a guy like Jalen Brown not being in for them, who's been a consistent scorer, uh, and 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 you know, one could argue better than Jason Tatum this year, um, in, in terms of being more consistent. I, I just think that that's going to be too much of a, you know, a hole for them to fill in a game like this, especially with the Wizards kind of being hot as of late. Um, And I think the the big thing tonight, or for tomorrow night too, is just the Warriors versus Lakers. You pointed out, Doug, as you opened the show, Steph Curry versus LeBron James and Anthony Davis uh, at Staples Center in Los Angeles. That is going to be the greatest game for this play-in out of all four games. Uh, It'll be at 10 p.m. on Wednesday on ESPN what are your thoughts about this game? I saw LeBron was saying Steph Curry is the MVP of the season. Um, you know, kind of giving him some high praise there, as many aren't usually. They're kind of giving it all to Jokic and guys like that and Embiid for MVP. LeBron said Steph Curry is the MVP this year. So, what are your guys' thoughts about this game? Who's going to win? You know, and who do you expect to perform the most, or I guess I should say the best in this game? Uh, I think it's going to be just an all around offensive game. I think the Lakers, even though they have a great defense, I think they're going to struggle guarding Curry, and I think it's just going to be kind of a shootout. What do you guys think?
1: Well, first, you know, I want to touch on that MVP discussion. He's had an incredible year, and I know when he's on the court, he completely changes the Warriors' offense. He led the league in scoring, which is incredible, considering he's 33. He's done a lot. He had 10 plus threes in so many games. He's just been... He's just been incredible this year. That being said, the Warriors didn't have an elite record. They're not one of the top teams in their conference, and that's why I'd give my vote to Jokic for MVP. But I would have Curry in my top five, maybe number four or five. No disrespect to him, of course. He's one of the greatest of all time. That being said, for the Lakers-Warriors game tomorrow night, I I just praise Steph Curry a lot, but come on. I mean, LeBron James in a one-game play, and we everyone has – that has watched any NBA over the last 10 years knows what that guy is capable of and I definitely would not bet against the Lakers for the sole reason of they have LeBron and oh wait Anthony Davis too who could go in throughout 40 or 50 if he feels like it I mean I know Steph Curry I know that but and Andre Green has really stepped up this year he had I think he averaged more assists than points which is weird you don't usually see stat lines like that in the NBA interesting but yeah no I got the Lakers winning tomorrow definitely
2: same here i think the lakers take it as well just there's no way lebron loses a play in game he's going to try his hard on he's going to get the team going behind him and he just he hates the he's one of the main uh people who hates the play in system so he's just going to put it to him and try to win this game deeply and he's just going to try to shoot his hard on that game so i think lakers all the way
0: Yeah, guys, I'm going to agree. I think Golden State and Steph Curry is going to give LeBron kind of a run for his money. But I think in the end, Los Angeles is just a a much better all-around team. Uh, And, you know, they might not be able to score it as efficiently as Golden State, but they can definitely defend it better than Golden State. And I think, you know, even giving up 30-plus points to a guy like Curry, I still think you know, keeping the rest of that team under control, they can still get a win there. And, you know, with LeBron coming back and Anthony Davis, they're kind of the one-two punch out there in the West. I I just think it's going to be too much for Golden State defensively. I mean, Draymond Green has been a consistent defender for them, but, you know, one guy isn't enough, especially when you're facing two guys like LeBron and AD. And you're you're right, Doug, Draymond's averaging seven points per game and, and he's averaging nine assists, which is fourth in the league. So interesting there that he is averaging more assists than points. But, you know, that's kind of the role that he's turned into. He's kind of the guy who, you know, when Curry's on the bench, he'll bring the ball up for them, he'll dish it out, and he'll just kind of find the open guy. Um, you know, kind of like Jokic, except he doesn't score it as efficiently, not even close as Jokic. But if you watch some Nuggets games, you know, Jokic will bring the ball up for Denver, and he'll kind of just throw it with one hand as if it's a baseball, you know, across the court to the open man. And I kind of see some similar traits in Draymond Green in terms of his passing. But I just think, I just think you know, LeBron coming back, it's too much for Golden State. Now, if LeBron was still hurt and he and he couldn't play in this game, that's a different story. I might go with Golden State here if it was just Anthony Davis. Um, but if it was just LeBron and no Anthony Davis, I would still go with the, the Lakers. I think just LeBron is just that good. Um, but I think if it was just Anthony Davis, I think Golden State would actually pull this one out uh, and get the W. Welcome back to the Tuesday crew. I'm Dylan Allen alongside Doug Willig and Christian Vasquez. It's time for locks of the week here on May 18th, 640 PM. Um, Doug, do you have a lock for us? Do you want to, you want to get us started?
1: Sure. I'll get this started. Locks of the week is a great segment on WRSU crew, summer crew. So this, I think it's the first. Yeah. We're, this is the first WRSU crew of the, I guess, summer semester Spring semester, you know, ended last on the twelfth, and then we had a couple more days of crew past final exams and now we got summer crew. Yeah, it's first the first locks of the week for summer crew.
0: It's the first. And I'll come in. I think it's Tuesday through Thursday this year for, for summer crew. So we're the first ones uh for the summer crew, Doug, this year.
1: I think I think there's a Friday summer crew or Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, but you might be right. Maybe it's Tuesday,
0: is. Wednesday, Thursday.
1: But nonetheless, first lo- first locks of the week, locks of the day. I know there was some discussion in the spring on how can this be locks of the week if we do it multiple times a week. But I'm still going to call it that, locks of the week. And my lock of the week is Lakers-Warriors tomorrow night. I mean, Lakers are a five-point favorite. We just discussed this extensively at the beginning of the show. But if you're just tuning in, I mean, Lakers are a five-point favorite. Sure, Steph Curry's great, but no. I think the Lakers cover that tomorrow night. They got a home game. I think they win this by a lot. I think there's no way LeBron and AD happen. They got Frank Vogel coaching there. I think they'll be good to win this by. But that's my luck.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a great point. I mean I think the Lakers. You know I I, I would have just taken the money line as well, but you might get better odds with the uh, with the with the point spread. Um, there. So I like the pick a lot, Doug. I'm gonna go with Washington plus two uh, against the Boston Celtics. Uh, you get better odds, or no? Excuse me. I'm gonna go Washington money line. Excuse me. You get better odds with that at plus one twelve. I really think that Boston's going to struggle, like as I pointed out before, without Jalen Brown and without Robert Williams, who's actually been. You know a pretty good uh, big man off the bench for this team and I just think that Washington with with Russell Westbrook and with Bradley Beal, the way that they've been playing over the last couple of games to finish out the season I think it's too much for Boston uh, with no Jalen Brown and Robert Williams I just think that it's too much and I think Washington can score the ball pretty efficiently the only downside is their defense and I think I think they'll be able to defend Boston tonight I think they just as long as they can contain Jason Tatum I think that they will do just fine. But that will be a tall task. But nonetheless, I think Washington will outscore Boston tonight, Uh, and that's why I have the money line for Washington plus one twelve. So tune in for that nine p.m. start there on TNT tonight. So hopefully Washington comes through for my lock of the week. Christian, do you have a lock of the week for us?
2: Yeah, I'll take the last playing game that's not currently going on. We'll go with Memphis is favored by four in this game. Take that. I think Memphis, you know, is ahead of ahead of the Spurs by five games in the season record, and I think Memphis takes it. They beat them twice this season. They're going to beat them again.
0: We talked about some play-in basketball news with Golden State Warriors facing the Los Angeles Lakers tomorrow night. The Spurs playing the Memphis Grizzlies as well tomorrow night, and tonight the Charlotte Hornets face off against the Indiana Pacers, which is going on right now, about six minutes left in the first quarter. Indiana leads that one 23-12 over the Charlotte Hornets. And later on tonight, around 9 p.m., the Boston Celtics will host the Washington Windsors at the TD Garden in Boston tonight at 9 p.m. Some highly anticipated basketball action for you in the next couple of days. Uh, But we're going to segue into some NFL today. Uh, As you guys all know, I'm I'm a Giants fan. Christian, you said you're a Packers fan. But Christian, if you want to talk about the Packers a little bit with this whole Aaron Rodgers beef going on, I know you said you're a Packers fan uh, during the break I I don't really buy it. I mean, I think he is a little bit mad with the organization in a sense, but I also do think like I, I think he's going to end up staying there. I, I know you're a Packers fan, and that's what you hope for. But honestly, like, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, how how do you think it's going to unfold there?
2: No, yeah, I I agree too. You know, obviously, optimistically, you want him to stay, but I think um, I think this he didn't. I don't think he wanted the news the necessary come out the way it did. All. All at once, all these you know conflicting stories back and forth. Hearing it, it's probably not the way he wanted to do it, especially if he wanted a bigger contract. But I think you know he's been getting left out of certain contract negotiations, certain things that you would think a Hall of Fame quarterback would get. You know, his input even listened to in the th- in the organization. So I think just that that just this news coming out made them notice that you know this is a big problem in that, you know, you have this guy who can, who wants to play until the end of his career and is willing to go. And he said he felt the best he's ever felt this year. And, you know, just, we haven't had, they haven't given him any weapons. We, they've been drafting a lot of defense, but then, you know, the offense, it's just, you know, sometimes it's a hit or a miss in terms of that and they don't draft any offensive players for him. There's a lot of the grievances he's had over the years are going to, come through and they came through now and I I inevitably think he's going to stay. They're going to give him a long-term contract and I think the Packers over the next couple of years are going to go for a championship pretty heavily and then once Aaron Rodgers goes, they'll have to figure out how the, what to do then, but I think they need Aaron Rodgers for the next four to five years.
0: And yeah, I mean, they built this team, I mean, you pointed out they didn't get him enough weapons, and, you know, to a certain extent, I agree, I mean, he's still been able to succeed with what he was given, but in my opinion, I agree, you give him a little bit more, I mean, how much more can he possibly do? I mean, he probably could do wonders, I mean, if he's winning MVPs, right, and the wide receiver too is Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is an inconsistent wide receiver, I know he has Devontae Adams at the wide Receiver one, um, but you know, you look at Tampa Bay last year. They had multiple wide receivers. I mean, you had Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski. I mean, they were just loaded with weapons, and they faced each other in the NFC Championship game. And you know, Green Bay almost won, but they fell short just just by a couple points there. I believe it was like a touchdown or so. But yeah, it was six. Yeah, or, so I
2: believe six or eight at the end.
0: Yeah, so I mean you could definitely make the point that you know, Rodgers has enough weapons that you could say, hey, listen, you know, he won an MVP and, you know, they, they won 13 games. They made it all the way to the NFC championship game. You know, they got the one seed in the playoffs. You know, they, they host the whole thing. But at the same time, you know, you, you kind of think like you have so many opportunities to draft or, or to pick up a guy in free agency or to make a trade uh, to get just somebody who's more than serviceable, who's better than Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Like, there are so many better receivers exactly. out there than that guy, Scantling, that I think if you and put for him... not
2: ex- And for cheap, you could get some different ones, just some options, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I mean, like, you know, Antonio Brown, he, I think he re-signed with the Bucs this year, but on a one-year deal for probably, what, like $10 million? I mean, what could Aaron Rodgers do with a guy like that on a one-year deal? I'm not saying Packers ownership that you have to go out there and sign a guy to a five-year max contract... I'm saying just give Aaron Rodgers what he needs and and just like short term, because you're thinking Aaron Rodgers, you know, might be here for three, four more years. So give him a guy, you know, sign a couple guys to one year deals, one year rentals, and see what he does with it. I mean, if he's winning MVPs with, you know, with just Devontae Adams and, and Marcus Valdez Scantling, he can probably do, you know, a lot better if he had more than just Devontae Adams. And you know, they decided to re-sign Aaron Jones, give him the big deal. I believe it was like four years, you know, $60 million, yeah, four yeah, years something least. like that. I mean, I get why they did it. Aaron Jones has been a, a scoring machine the past couple of years. But at the same time, you know, I felt like that money could have been, you know, spent a little bit more wisely at, at, towards a receiver. I mean, you had A.J. Dillon back there who had a good, who had a good rookie season for them, and I feel like could have been you know, a good replacement for Aaron Jones, no, he wouldn't have put up the same numbers, but with a good offensive line, I think A.J. Dillon would have been more than serviceable.
2: Yeah, offensive line. They they usually draft a lot of young offensive linemen, and then they end up being very good by the about their contract year, which is crazy to me. They, they got a couple offensive linemen in this draft, and they're probably just going to build them up because they have a solid offensive line right now, you know, against some bigger teams. There's some injuries that linger, especially with Bakhtiari's injury last year. That kind of set us off track, especially since you know he's an All-Pro, got some of the biggest money that a, a lineman could get in the NFL. So that really took us down. But they just having another the another option other than Valdez. You know he's very very inconsistent. He does catch the long balls often, but there's another long ball in that game that he dropped, probably about the same pass, same yardage. So it's very inconsistent. Lazard had a little injury. He was playing well before the injury, then, you know, kind of slumped off after. But it's a lot of young players, and I think Aaron's just kind of tired of, you know, he he loves his young players. He's always said that he likes, you know, making, making people, just like Tom Brady, he can kind of throw to anyone. But just having another person who's a number one on another team come in as a receiver, it could make all the difference for Aaron Rodgers.
0: Yeah. And you yeah, go ahead, Doug. Go ahead. We got Doug back guys, by the way. Yeah, Christian, I agree. And thank you
1: to Doug. I've worked out some technical difficulties with Dylan off air. And if I start to cut out and anyone listening can't hear me, I apologize for that, but I'm going to work through that. Thank you for Dylan and Christian, you know, for keeping the conversation going. And if I cut out, you know, while talking, I apologize, but nonetheless, Definitely agree with you guys. You know, Aaron Rodgers, upset with management. Those reports came out that he was calling the GM there, Jerry Krause. You know, reference to the Last Dance documentary where Jerry Krause was the GM of the Bulls. Had some issues there, if anyone hasn't seen the Last Dance. It's 10 hours long, but I'd recommend it. Nonetheless, if Aaron Rodgers is gone, obviously, you know, he's still an MVP-level player, one MVP last season. If he goes to the Broncos, wherever he goes, that could cause a big seismic change in the NFL. I just tossed on the Packers. I'm going to touch on something completely unrelated. I want to talk about the Giants as well. You know, Daniel Jones is in year three. Dylan's a a Giants fan too. You know, a lot of Giants fans go to Rutgers. Of course, Jets and Eagles fans are very common here as well. But if Daniel Jones, you know, this is year three. I think this is his make or break it year. If Daniel Jones is not good, I think maybe the Giants and Gettleman and Judge and management will probably decide to move on to a different quarterback. We've seen quarterbacks really step up and change in year three. You know, Josh Allen, the Bills, wasn't elite necessarily the first two years. Year three, he was great. Daniel Jones, we've seen he's shown flashes of being a great runner. So maybe he could step up and really, you know, get his stats up and get the Giants some wins in year three. We'll have to see. I know that those are pretty two unrelated topics, but just there's so much to talk about in the NFL. That's just two, you know, stories there. But there's just so much going on. Maybe slightly of a dead time here, but once training camp starts up in, you know, in July or around, it gets really exciting. All those quarterback battles, just so much going on. NFL, you know, great league, great to follow. A lot of fun. Definitely a little bit of a dead time here for football. Of course, Rutgers got the spring game coming up on Thursday, but still definitely NFL is a year-round sport. We just have the draft. You know, there's always something to talk about.
0: Yeah, so a little interesting uh, fact about Aaron Rodgers too. We were just talking about the Packers. He's only throwing, uh, he's throwing four touchdowns in total, but he's only throwing one touchdown. Uh, he's only throwing a touchdown to one first round uh, receiver in his career, and it was tight end Mercedes Lewis. And he and he happened to throw four of them to to Lewis, but that was the only one he's ever thrown to uh, for a touchdown that was drafted in the first round. Uh, over the past two seasons. Um, So, I mean, and another thing, too, the Packers haven't drafted a receiver with their own first-round pick since Javon Walker back in 2002. And I don't know about you guys, but I've never heard of this guy. Uh, And apparently he was gone before Rodgers even, you know, was able to take the spot for quarterback for the Packers. So it's been almost 20 years since this team has drafted a first-round receiver. And I I get it. They, They got... You know, good. They got Devontae Adams late in the later in the draft. They didn't have to draft him in the first round. I get that, and he's you know, he's a superstar, one of the best in the league. But I mean, you know, there were definitely some guys still there, like Rashad Bateman. I remember was still there in the draft, I believe. And you know, the, the Packers definitely could have taken him there. Um, were, I feel like there were just a bunch of receivers that were there. Like, even uh, and if and if I'm mistaken, and Rashad Bateman already had went, then you know you got a guy like Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss that they could have drafted there. You know, who's Highly rated, who went, I believe, the second pick in the second round, so thirty fourth overall. So it's you know not like this guy's you know some scrub. He's a second round, early second round pick. Uh, so you know, I feel like the Packers should have went that route. I mean, they drafted a cornerback, and I'm sure he's very good, Eric Stokes, I believe his name is. But I mean, was that really your number one need on the team? I'm not really sure. I don't really follow the Packers, Christian. You do. You know what? What did you feel that they should have went with? If it wasn't receiver. You know, what position do you think that they really should have drafted, in your opinion?
2: If it wasn't receiver, just say maybe a inside linebacker. You know, sometimes against the run, we're not the best. Right. So, you know, some games, the run, uh, the offense, the defense you know, was a hit or a miss, and usually it's for the Packers. We're usually, you know, offense goes all the way, and they can you know, make up for the defense's mistakes. But this year, the defense was a hitter, hit a hitter pretty, pretty decent, actually, in the top 10, I believe, throughout the league. But I was thinking about a linebacker as I wanted a receiver, obviously, you know, we haven't drafted since Javon Walker, who was a wash at that point. But, you know, we could have in the past couple drafts, you know, I haven't agreed with the Packers picks. You know, Jordan Love, that was the, you know, Packers fans all around. We're not happy about that, even in, the draft with DK Metcalf, the Packers drafted drafted Darno Savage, which is a free safety. He's actually played pretty well for us, but we did need a receiver at the time, and DK slid all the way down. So that's something that the Packers really missed out on. They even missed out on TJ Watt in one of the drafts. So just one of those unfortunate things that the Packers have drafted. Uh, drafted not the best in the past couple of years, but I really needed a linebacker or, or a wide receiver.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, just and we'll talk about the Giants in, in a second. I just want to add one more thing about Rodgers too. Like Drew Brees has thrown he has the most passes to first round receivers. He's thrown over 842. Tom Brady's thrown 817. Ben Roethlisberger has thrown 476 and Phillip Rivers with 284. Um so you know, I mean, you look at that and you say, well B- Big Ben's been the 3 Super Bowls, he's won 2. Tom Brady's been the 10, he's won 7 of them. And, you know, Drew Brees has been the one and he's won it. And Phil Rivers, I don't know if he's been the one before, but I I he hasn't won any. But I'm just saying, like, you know, you kinda with a guy like Rogers' his talent, I feel like if you just give him that one extra guy on the outside, wide receiver two, I think this team could be the new favorite in the NFC. Um, but I, I still have Tampa Bay as my favorite. I think they're just like the best all around team on both ends of the football. Like they really don't have many flaws there. Um, but another thing too to bring up with the NFL guys is you know, they released the schedule last week, and I didn't really—we didn't really talk about it too much last Tuesday. I'm—I was on Tuesday crew the whole semester, um, and the schedules had come out the Wednesday, so the day after we had crew last week, so we didn't really even get to talk about it that much. I'm not sure if you guys talked about it in the past, um, uh, you know, like last week, but you know, we could go over the schedule for the Giants, and we can go over a little bit for the Packers too, if you guys wanted to. Um, I know the, the Giants have a pretty – I know they face the Broncos to start the year on September 12th. It's a 4-30 start. I think that's a winnable game, Doug, right? The, the Broncos?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that's a winnable game unless the Broncos trade for Aaron Rodgers. And, Dylan, you can hear me now, okay, right? Am I cutting out at oh, all? Oh, no, you're good. You're good. All right, good stuff. Yeah, I actually – I don't know. I want to go to this game, to be honest. I haven't been to a Giants game, obviously not last season – because of COVID. But even with that, I haven't been to a Giants game probably since like 2018 or I think I didn't go to any games in 2019. So I haven't been there since 2018. I'd like to go to that Giants Broncos game just to be back in an NFL stadium. And yes, I think that's a winnable game. You know, no disrespect to the players on the, on the Broncos, but I don't think they're going to be a particularly elite team this year. And I think, you know, even if the Giants just put up 17 points, I think that might be enough to beat this Packers team. That's all, of course, under the assumption that they do not trade for Aaron Rodgers. If they do, then that completely changes things. But assuming Aaron Rodgers is not traded for, yeah, I don't think the Bron— no one really stands out on the Broncos' offensive ends. I mean, Drew Locke has not looked particularly elite. Maybe he'll make the leap this year, but I don't know. I think that this should be a winnable game for the Giants, and I'm definitely biased as a Giants fan. But with all the weapons they have on offense, drafting Tony in the first round, signs of big free agents, you know, defense looked great last year. Blake Martinez, James Bradbury, Logan Ryan, just as a unit, the defense played great. And now they added weapons on offense. Saquon's going to be back with injury. Yeah. So I think the Giants can beat the Broncos in week one. I'm just, I'm just excited for that game. Like, I'm just excited for NFL football. I, I love the NFL so much. It's so much fun to watch. I'm just really excited for the regular season.
0: Yeah. And then the next week, too, Doug, they play the Washington football team on the road. Thursday night football, so a short week for the Giants. That's going to be a really tough game. Washington has a great defense, like I pointed out. Eight twenty start Thursday night. I I just you know I think Washington, you know, we've had their number over the years. You know, I think Daniel Jones is actually like four and zero against them in his two seasons as the as the quarterback. But I I just think that th- this team has gotten better defensively. You know, they've, they've added to what was already a, a great defense last year. Uh, and they, you know, they got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I think is better than Kyle Allen and and, and Dwayne Haskins. And they added Curtis Samuel, another receiver, to kind of, you know, go on the other side of Terry McLaurin. I think the Washington football team will win this game. I think it's just going to be too much, and especially on the short week, um, you know, for both teams that we just have to travel. So it's it's a shorter week for practice too. I think the Giants will lose this one, and they'll you know they'll go one and one, and then they play the Falcons the next week. And they, I think, at home, I think that's a win. I mean, the Falcons have a great offense, but I mean, their defense is pretty bad. I mean, they really didn't add anything to it. New head coach. It's week three. They're probably still getting things, you know, kind of together there. I think, you know, they're gonna they might score some points on our defense, but I just think that their defense is so bad that I think the Giants can actually win that one too. So I, I got them going two and one in the first couple games there. And then I got the uh, let's see, the Saints. Giants play the Saints in New Orleans. I mean, it's always hard to win in New Orleans, you know. Even even without Drew Brees, they have Jameis Winston now. It's it's oh, it's always tough to win there. Um, and you know, I, I I think that even with Jameis Winston there, I think it's just going to be tough. I think they have a chance to win this game for sure. But I I'll give New Orleans the benefit of the doubt. I'll have them winning this game. Um, uh, but again, it depends what we see from Jameis Winston. Like we could see the t- 2019 Jameis Winston throwing 30 picks in a season. You know, it, it depends what you see. So that's the, that's the thing with these early predictions. You know, you, you know what you're you know what you're getting face value, but you don't know, you know, kind of what's going to unfold. You know, a couple of weeks prior to that that matchup. Yeah, great points. You know, it's it's you don't know what's going to happen
1: in the regular season until it comes. Even now, it's hard to predict stuff when games are going to happen in September. And the NFL, unlike other leagues, you know, you have that really small sample size of games. Only I was going to say sixteen. It's going to be seventeen this season, but. Only 17 games, it's not that much. A team that's expected to be good, they could lose a few out the gate, end up with a losing record. You don't know what's going to happen. It's not really like the NBA where you got 82 games, MLB where you got literally over 100. I mean, like, it's not like those other leagues. There's not many games. If you have a bad stretch, then you're kind of out of it. And it's hard to know what's going to happen until September comes and the season starts. It's just hard to predict because that sample size of games is so small.